0: Hey everyone, I'm Mitchell Ray, and you're listening to another episode of the Real Music Nashville podcast. This week I got to sit down with Zoe Clark over another Zoom call, and um, we got to have a pretty in-depth conversation about the co-write scene around Nashville. I found it to be pretty informative, and I think it will really help out um, you know, any other Nashville artist that's kind of trying to find their way through the Nashville writers' round scene, um, the open mic scene, and just trying to make connections and find a sense of community in these songwriting circles. Zoe's latest single is Last One Standing, and I think she released that in like January, and it has over something like 800,000 views on Spotify, which is just amazing. So uh, go check that out. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. If you have a single or an album coming out that you'd like to have promoted on the intro to one of these podcast episodes, just email me at realmusicnashville at gmail.com and we can make that happen. Just a quick update on our live stream mini-series that we've been doing at the Whiskey Bent Saloon every other Monday night at 8 p.m. The very last one of those is going to be March 15th. Our booking has come to an end with Whiskey Bent. But we will be continuing the live stream series from Real, Mas- Real Music Nashville Studios, um, and that will still be with the Wilson brothers, and they will be doing the booking for that. I may throw an artist in every now and then, but it's mostly a country gig, so uh, Chad Wilson will handle the booking on that. But it's pretty exciting because we're going to be starting our live stream series out of Nashville's, uh, Real Music Nashville studio for the very first time. Um, so that's going to be fun. We're going to, there's talks about possibly a limited audience, socially distanced with masks. Um, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, so the 15th of March is the last show at the whiskey bent saloon. That's 8 PM to 11 PM. And then on the 29th, we will do our very first, uh, uh, stream from real music, Nashville studios or studio. I only have one studio, but, um, so we're really excited about that. And, Be on the lookout for more of these live stream type events we're currently looking for venues around town to expand our live production part of real music nashville Uh, we're going to be putting together more live streams as soon as we can book venues around town but as for now uh, we'll just be streaming out of our podcast space all right that about does it for updates promos and plugs um let's get into the episode with zoe clark here and we'll transition with a clip from one of her singles called cave to do recording. Okay, cool. All right. I guess let's just jump into it. Um tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you're from. I know you're a transplant and uh just sort of what brought you to Nashville and everything.
1: Yeah, so I'm originally from Connecticut. Um and I came to Nashville for the songwriting and for the music. I actually right now attend Belmont University. I'm a senior. It's my last semester as a songwriting major. So it was really the songwriting program that pushed me to be down here. And I've been here for almost four years.
0: Okay. So it was specifically um, Belmont. And were you looking for uh, a a music school? Um, For those listening that don't know, Belmont is a very prestigious uh, college in Nashville that almost focuses specifically on music or at least that's what they're well very well known for
1: yeah I think that you know I always Nashville always was a place where I really wanted to go a city that I knew that um I wanted to move to just because it's so music heavy and coming from Connecticut I was really labeled as the songwriter the musician it there wasn't much music going on I didn't co-write with anyone all my co-writes were, are in Nashville. I always wrote alone in Connecticut. So I knew that Nashville was where I wanted to be so I could write with different people and explore the Nashville music scene.
0: So uh, coming to Nashville, you say you're, you're writing with um, multiple people. And uh, so did you kind of get sucked into, um, it seems like there's like a, almost like a song factory that people can sort of get sucked into in the music country scene, especially that can happen. Um, Have you had any, I don't want to say, I don't want to say issues, but like maybe, I don't know, getting caught up in that co-write scene and focusing on possibly like cuts a little bit too much as opposed to your own music?
1: You know, I think in the beginning when I was first getting my bearings in the whole co-write scene, because again, it was a transition from Connecticut where I wrote with no one but myself in my bedroom to now in Nashville. And I think that in the beginning, it was more about connecting with that writer and getting in the groove and figuring out how to just like put the puzzle pieces together. And then once I kind of figured that out, I would say I haven't gotten stuck yet in that zone, which I'm really grateful for. I write, you know, I write stuff for me, but I also write for other artists and other people that I'm writing with that might need new material as well. So I've kind of, I think I've had a good um, separation between writing for me and then writing for other artists.
0: Have you had any success writing for other artists?
1: Um, I have a few, Um, artists that haven't released the songs yet but are going to in the coming future (laughs) that I'll be on Um, but everything else is stuff that I've put out that's written by me and some of my co-writers
0: that's awesome Um, how did you how did you find this community of songwriters is this like all Belmont people or did you start playing out and then sort of find a, a your own community there
1: I started playing out. So I just imagine like little freshman me, I had no car. So I would just take my guitar and I would Uber to different (laughs) songwriting circles. So I would go to Court, I would go to Alley Taps, the listening room, obviously. And I would go to all these different places and meet people and hope to write. And then, you know, one of the first places that I was just a local player at was at Alley Taps, which is a great songwriting writers round situation to try out new songs and then i you know became friends with everyone playing and in that circle and then you write together and then from there it's just a network of people and then you just meet more and more people until you have your circle and now i feel like i mean obviously i love writing with new people and it's something that i constantly do but i do have a good set of writers that i know that i can get like we can get really good material from
0: Explain to people what a a writer's round is, because I think that's that may be a uniquely Nashville thing. I'm not sure, because yeah. I've always <laughs> I've always lived here. So I don't know if other people outside of Nashville know what a writer's round is. But uh, please explain that.
1: Yes. Yes. Sorry. So I honestly had no idea what a Nashville writer's round was until I came here. It's basically where there is at least four to five songwriters on a stage for an hour and they go one by one and share songs that they've written. And so these can be local songwriters that haven't had big cuts, or they could be writers that wrote a Keith Urban song or a Blake Shelton song or a Miranda Lambert song. And you just hear the songwriters on the stage talk about how they wrote the song and then play it for you from the person that, you know, thought of it themselves. So it's a really good way to hear material from the writers and some new stuff that's not out yet and it's just a very casual fun thing to do
0: yeah it's almost like an open mics uh night or something for um aspiring songwriters and you you know famous people will be there sometimes and um yeah it's a great way to to build a community like you said especially a writer's community like you found um do you think uh do you think like um is riders round sort of like your home base like okay so all these artists that I've spoke to they have uh, venues that they seem to th- you know gravitate towards more than others and they kind of have like a home base type venue is this riders round situation sort of like that for you where you feel most comfortable
1: Yeah definitely I think that Bellcourt Taps is a big home base for me as well as Alley Taps just cuz that was the first place I've played and so I think writers rounds for me are really special because it gets me up and playing. And I also play a lot of new material and see how the audience kind of reacts with it and try new stuff out. So I would definitely say that writers rounds are a home base for me.
0: And for Nashville artists uh, seeking these places out, I mean, right now, obviously, it's probably not happening. But um, uh, where would you suggest, like, what part of town do these writers rounds usually happen in? Or is it just all over?
1: Honestly, it's all over. I know I've done writers' rounds in coffee shops. I've done them at different bars in Midtown, like Alley Taps is in Printer's Alley, which is, um, it's not Broadway, but it's, would you say it's like Midtown, a little downtown uh, area? Yeah, I guess, yeah. Um, um You know, Bellcourt is right on a 21st Ave, right. off of 21st Ave, so it's kind of everywhere. You can find writers' rounds. Basically any coffee shop, any place has writers and songwriters play.
0: Yeah. I always like to um, sort of bring up each artist's personal experience with the community so that it can kind of give an avenue to other Nashville artists sort of maybe seeking, uh, you know, a way to um, find a community like you have. Um, So tell me about this management company. I guess they're a management company that contacted me for you to come on AGD Entertainment Um, How did you hook up with them and what exactly do they do for you?
1: Yeah. So AGD is a company that, so I submitted my music um, to the lightning 100 to play on air. And this was before I really released anything. I just had demos and I was like, might as well just submit it. And so I did. And they got back to me saying, you should reach out to this management company called AGD. So I went in and I had a meeting with them and basically what they do for me, I love them. Um, Bri, Brianna Rudd is like my day-to-day manager. She helps me with marketing my single and a bunch of the PR that goes into it and making sure I have, across all my X's and O's and, you know, I have the different ads. I have, the different visualizers and I just make sure I hit and tick off everything on the list of you know what it takes to release a single and have it be as successful as you want it to be so she's they've very much helped me kind of organize yeah and kind of um you know sort out what I need to do
0: and um yeah I wanted to talk about that um I saw that you had uh, had some playtime on lightning 100 and so you just submitted that you just like what um emailed like Um, an epk
1: so the first the first time i ever submitted to lightning 100 they didn't play my stuff because i didn't have anything out it was just demos and they brought me to agd and then once i had my ep which i released in april um i submitted slash i went down to lightning 100 they have these um like open Kind of listens with the all the DJs get together and just listen to music that they've selected to possibly of new artists that they might possibly play, and so we played Cave, which was my first single that I released in February of 2020, and they really liked it. And so I got an email a couple days later saying we're gonna play it on the show. And then same with my second single, More. So it was all about you know talking to the DJs and you know I submitted my stuff and they put me on the list and that was that
0: yeah that's really awesome so like it was a um you said it was an open listen was this like a live performance that you went and did or was this like you submitted just like your um i guess cd or something
1: yeah no it was more of a i sent them the sound i sent them the spotify link to my single and you basically go and they hear the demos and they're all in a room and they kind of listen to it and think about what station it might be good for and if they should play it or not. And I actually went down just so I could have a face to the song and I can be like, hi, I'm Zoe Clark. Like I love the lightning 100, et cetera. And just kind of be there for that. But it was more of a, they just play it like they would play the song on the radio.
0: That's really interesting. Yeah. I love hearing uh, about stuff like this, you know, I, and again, I think it just provides the more information I can get out from each artist. I think it helps another artist in Nashville, you know, and hearing mm-hmm. about that type of thing is really interesting to me. Um, you also got some playtime uh, on a Boston radio show yeah. as well. What kind of ties do you have with Boston?
1: So, I mean, I'm from Connecticut. I'm from the New England area and My family and I, you know, we have family down in Boston and we, you know, love Cape Cod and, you know, going to the beach and things like that. And so, you know, Boston is one of those places that I would always go to every summer and listen to the radio. So I really wanted to submit my stuff to them. And 92.5 The River in Boston really liked my song Cave and played it. And it was really, it was really cool.
0: That's great. Um, yeah, that's, I guess uh, cold submittals do work sometimes. I didn't never really thought about that.
1: Yeah, I honestly, it was. It was like, hey, I would really love it if you listen to this song. And, you know, they got back to me and they loved it. And it was just one of those things where I randomly got an email one day, or Bree, my manager did, and was like, oh my God, <laughs> you're getting played on Boston radio. And then I was in Nashville at the time, but I went online and I listened to it um, on my computer and I had some of my friends with me because we were all hanging out. And so it was really cool to hear him kind of talk about my song and hear it on the radio. My parents from home and my friends were all listening to it. So it was cool. It was definitely a really cool experience.
0: Yeah, it's uh, got to be a feeling of legitimacy. You're like, hey, I'm on the radio. I must be doing something right.
1: Yeah, literally. I'm like, oh my God, people in their car are listening right now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so yeah, let's talk about a little bit about your latest single, uh, Last One Standing, comes out January 22nd. Um, is this a, is this release leading to more releases and then a larger project?
1: So right now, so in April, I released my EP, which was six songs called Lover's Mark. And That was a catalog of, you know, all love songs about heartbreak and heartache. And, you know, I'm 21, so it's about dating in my 20s and, you know, everything in between. And so I kind of wanted a catalog of songs like that. Now I'm putting out Last One Standing, which is just a single. And then I'm putting out another single, hopefully in March, um, if anything, beginning of April. But I'm banking on March. And I think I'm just going to be putting out a couple of singles until I feel like I want to put out another full-blown project
0: okay so the, I, I was under the impression this single was um, part of like a larger album that was coming out soon
1: it's no it's part of like I'm doing back to back single releases, so I'm doing Last One Standing, and then I'm putting out my next single, You Ruined Tequila, and so they kind of the very the vibe of both of the songs coincide with each other to yeah. an extent. So I'm kind of I'm doing a back to back single release versus another EP.
0: I like that uh, that last title. What did you You Ruined Tequila? That's mm-hmm. hilarious. Um, yeah. So talk to me a, bit, a little bit about the contrast, like you were just saying, in these. Um, these singles that you're about to release, it, it seems like your first album, like you said, you're 21, you're writing about, like, what 21-year-olds write about, you know, romance and love and everything. And uh, especially this uh, last, um, I'm sorry, the, uh, last one standing. Uh, yeah, the um, the mood of that song is like the opposite direction, almost like maybe something happened, did something happen?
1: No, I don't think anything happened. I think that I feel like my, everything I write is based off of my life and my life experiences, just because writing for me is like a diary entry and just a way for me to get all my emotions out on paper. And also I feel like I connect to songs more that artists put out that are very personal. And so that's stuff that I wanted to do. So Lover's Mark was very much a chapter in my life where I was confused. I had certain relationships that I didn't know what was going to happen with. And that was very much kind of the phase I was in at the time. And last one standing is more, it's this new transition and this new chapter for me, which you'll hear with my back-to-back single, you ruined tequila where it's more about being strong in who you are and being yourself and not changing for anyone. Because at the end of the day, you got to love yourself before you can love someone else. So this song is just very much fun. I'm unapologetically me and I can be alone and still have fun.
0: Right. Yeah. It's uh, more of a coming into your own um, type of, uh, well, I almost an album type of song. Um, yeah. And I haven't heard the second release yet, but I'm assuming it's in the same vein. Uh, do you think you're going to build this into an album that is, in that vein of um you know really knowing who you are now that you're you know not not this uh young early 20s person anymore i mean you're still very young obviously but um (laughs) (laughs) but it seems like maybe you've grown up a little bit is this kind of building towards an album that's more in that vein
1: yeah i think so i mean the more that i write and the more that i kind of learn about myself you, you're gonna, you know, my music has different sides and you're gonna see different sides of me in different songs. And the first record was my romantic side. And this is more, this is me, this is who I am. I don't need anyone side. And I think that there's a really good balance between the two. And I think the album that I do put out, it's gonna be the phase that I'm in in my life now and, you know, what I'm going through. So there'll probably be maybe some love songs in there, but it's also gonna be, this is me, this is who I am, last one standing, like, (laughs) um, you know, the first two lines of that song are, I drink my coffee black, I eat my chocolate dark. And so it's very much a fun song. And so I just think it's, you know, you're gonna see the growth between the first EP and the singles and potential album ahead.
0: Yeah, and that's always good to find an artist is, Especially if you become a, a fan of them early, you get to see that growth and kind of grow with them. And if you can somehow get your um, your fan base to get make that personal connection, you know, that's uh, always something, you know, people strive for, or artists strive for.
1: No, I mean, the best compliment is when someone DMs me on Instagram out of the blue or if it's someone that I know texts me or anything and they're like, Hey, I listened to cave 10 times straight in the car today because it was just exactly what I needed or what I was going through. And that is the best compliment you can give a songwriter. Cause it's like, if I could just connect with one person, I feel like I've done my job and that song served its purpose. For me, it's all about connecting with people, which is why it's so hard that I can't perform right now live Uh, (laughs) because of COVID and the pandemic. But if I could just reach people, through my music and have them play it and you know that's all I really want and that's all I need if it can help them in any way.
0: Absolutely and um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about you mentioned live performances um, have you been able to perform live at all um, even in a limited way with all of this going on?
1: Um, You know performing live I haven't played a live show with my band since March of 2020 like right before covid hit right before like the week before covid hit and everything shut down i played the analog in nashville and that was the last like biggest show that i've played because you know then everything shut down i was supposed to do a small tour um around the new england area and also through tennessee and georgia and um those areas to promote Lover's Mark over the summer, which didn't end up happening. So now it's much, it's live streams and, uh, you know, everyone's getting creative. There's Zoom shows people put on. Um, so it's been much more, I've been playing um, via the computer.
0: <laughs> yeah. I want to talk about that, but because um, I'm I'm sort of going down the live stream rabbit hole myself. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, before we do talk about that, you said you um, I want to talk about that tour you were just talking about. Um, How did you set that up? Did um, did AGD help set that up or do you do it yourself?
1: Um, It was something that I was doing myself. You know, I would it's one of those things where you have to find the right route and um, kind of make your way up to certain areas and send emails and book different shows at different venues. And it was something that I just wanted to do myself. It was going to be small and it was going to be quick, but it was something that I wanted to do just to reach more people and, um, yeah, have my music heard um, in person and a much wider audience. But that did not end up happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, un- unfortunately. And were you going to bring your band um, mm-hmm. on that tour? So what is a live... Yeah. Uh, that's another thing I wanted to get into. What does a live performance for you look like? Because when I'm listening to your album, um, and don't take this the wrong way, but it's it sounds it's produced in such a way that um, I'm I'm wondering how you translate it into a live performance. Do you um, do you do you use some of the um, I guess uh, backing tracks and stuff that are on the album? Do you play those? live as well, or do you just leave everything up to your band um, to kind of fill out the sound?
2: So it's
1: fully, I don't really use backing tracks. It's fully my band. I have two guitarists, a bass player, I have keyboard, I have drums. Um, You know, sometimes I'll have background vocals, but it's very much what you would be very much replicate the sound you hear on the radio on my EP um, into a live performance. And then I also will have my guitar on some of the songs as well. So you get that full band sound where you still, it adds a different element to it, but it still sounds exactly like the record.
0: That's that's really great to hear because um, sometimes when you hear some of these albums that sound uh, almost like they, like the artist might not have their own band, you know, Um, and then they just get up there and hit play on their laptop and then strum along with it. It's like you don't get the full band experience, you know, and I'm really glad to hear that you bring a full band, and I bet it sounds amazing. I'd love to hear it sometime.
1: Yeah, no, I love – for me, like, a full band is so important because when I watch my favorite artists play, I love hearing the sound in full instead of, like, over a computer monitor or a speaker. I think it just adds another element, and it's fun, and you can, you know – play with your band members. And, and last when we played Last One Standing, we had like a fun solo where each of the members would go around and do their own little riff. And it's just fun and it's different. And you don't get that if you just do the recording. Like if you just want to hear the recording, you just listen to the song. You know, if you want the full experience, you have the band.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And um, are you close with these, uh, the people in the band Um, Are there any other songwriters in the band that uh, you can co-write with? Um, How did you meet these people? Just uh, I'd like to hear about your band and sort of if you guys write together.
1: Yeah, no, we don't write together. I usually write the songs and they come and we have rehearsals and we practice playing. I play it for them, obviously, and hopefully hope that they like it and want to play it. But no, I usually write the songs and write them alone or with my co-writers and bring it to them with Nashville number charts and the whole thing. Um, But I met them all through Belmont. They're all, some of them are guitar majors. They're all either music business majors. They're all people that want to do this for a living. They want to be touring musicians. And it was through mutual friends and connections and one performance we all got together when I played Live Oak in Midtown. um, And it just clicked and it worked. And so ever since then, we're just like, yeah, let's just continue to do this together. It's fun.
0: That's great. Yeah. And yeah, Belmont is full of uh, just like budding professional, your future professional musicians. So, you know, you're going to find the best of the best there to play with.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And it's good when you... You know, have a connection with them outside of music, and you're friends with them more than just being in your band, because it also adds another element to the performance as well. And so having people from Belmont on stage with me, it's comforting and it's fun, and it's like a team behind you, and I really like it.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I, I bet they, you know, they probably really believe just as much as you do in the music. And that really makes a difference as opposed to just having hired hands, um, you know, which you find a lot of in Nashville.
1: Yeah, no, it's like, you know, when we played the analog, that was a place that I've wanted to play for so long. I love it. Um, and I've seen shows there. And I when we got the chance to play it, it was just as much of an exciting kind of experience for me as it was with my band, because that was also a bucket list venue that they wanted to play. So it was like us going through that together. It was special and it's good. You get to share it with people that haven't done it before and that um, play it for the first time with you. So I really like that. I think it's fun.
0: All right, so tell me, let's let's jump back to the live stream stuff. What has your experience been with that? Do you like it? Do you hate it? And, um, are you going through one of these, are you going through one of these online companies that acts as like a, um, almost like a, a paywall or, and they take a percentage?
1: Well, so the live streams that I've been doing have either been, um, I've been asked to do them with friends, whether they set up a situation and I just came to play, or um, Instagram Lives, Facebook Lives. It's just been more of a collaborative experience with other artists and taking over their Instagram pages. Or, you know, I never set one up myself. I've just played on them. So there might have been, you know, they might have to pay to get the website where you could buy tickets. But I'm not, I was just, I've just been one of the the acts on them. But it's been fun because it's, you know, you get to, it's more of a casual, you get to talk to your friends, you get to talk to other musicians that you know, or that you've heard of and you get to play. I mean, it was weird at first. Cause again, if anything, I want to do it live. Like I want that person on person, like experience. But right. if anything, you have to get used to it. It's like co-writing over Zoom. That's something that you also, I had to get used to. Cause I was so used to like that, you know the energy in the room when you're writing with someone new. So it was all something, it was, you know you just gotta learn you just got to learn to like it, and then it becomes normal. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: an interesting one that I've, I haven't have thought of is co- uh, co-writing over Zoom. That must be... Uh, you, you must really have to get used to that because just like with a live performance, you feed off the energy of the crowd, and when you're co-writing, I'm sure you feed off the energy between each other, and that's got to be difficult with a screen in between you, you know?
1: It definitely... Again, it was at first, because again, it's like you get, you gauge the room when you walk into a write, and you get to feed off of their energy. And when you say a line, that's really great. You get that excitement of like, oh my God, that was such a good line, or we should use that. And it's just much more of an, I guess I would call it like an organized process. Like there's much more, you, you, your writers walk around the room. It's just much more of, you know, I feel like a more of a personalized experience over Zoom. It was definitely weird because at first there'd be lags. So like you, they would play an instrument and then you would like three seconds later hear it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, you had to feed off of each other online and, you know, kind of gauge the energy over Zoom. It was weird at first. For everyone and every songwriter that I've talked to, we've always kind of talked about like, okay, I had a to write today. It was kind of weird because it was over Zoom. I feel like it could have gone better if it was in person, but everyone was going through it at the same time and like learning how to write on Zoom. So you didn't really feel weird doing it because everyone was new to it. And so everyone was kind of figuring it out. So we were all kind of figuring it out together. And now it's just something that, yeah, I wish that more of my rights were in person, but you got used to the Zoom thing and it's not, as bad as you as it was in the beginning
0: now that you have now that you have had covid we were talking about this before we started the program i've just recently gotten over it as well now that you have those precious antibodies can you have you used that as a pitch you're just like hey so, you know fuck this zoom thing i've got antibodies man i'm not gonna get you sick just come over and we'll write in person
1: you know i'm still really careful because i had it in july and I didn't have any symptoms. I was asymptomatic. And there wasn't like, I don't know, there's there wasn't much information on how many antibodies I might have as someone who didn't have any symptoms versus someone that had all of them or lost their sense of smell or taste. So I'm still very cautious and I'm very careful. Um, and I write over Zoom for the most part, unless it's a songwriter that I really trust that hasn't been you know going to bars downtown and you know doing things that they shouldn't be doing right. um, then with those people then you know you trust your your people you trust your little pot of people that you've been quarantining with and all right with some of them in person but for the most part it's all over zoom still because i'm still super careful because i don't know if my an, I still have my antibodies I don't know how many I have I don't want to get COVID again so (laughs) (laughs) I'm like better stay away and be careful
0: well for the moment I feel sort of like Superman that I can just like yeah go ahead and cough in my face I'm fine
1: (laughs) can you say that again sorry you cut out I couldn't hear you
0: nothing I was just making a dumb joke I was saying I feel like Superman with my antibodies (laughs) but um so tell me a little bit more about your writing process like when you're writing with these people do these songs just sort of come out very easily and then uh uh like with the harder ones if a song is not just immediately there do you try to flesh it out more or do you just immediately just skip you're like okay this isn't working skip it and go to the next thing
1: you know i think every process is different and every right you go in, it's different. I have on my phone, I have uh, on my notes, I have just a list, like a crazy long list of titles that have come to me, lyrics that I like, or, you know, I saw a couple of words on a store and I was like, whoa, that is a really really cool term or a really cool phrase and you put it down. And when you go into a right, it's very much like a therapy session for me, if I'm being honest. I'm like, this is what's going on in my life. <laughs> this is what we need to write about. We need to sort this out. I need to feel better once I write it. Other times it's like you go through your list and you're like, these are some things I have. They have a similar list where they go through different phrases. And usually one stands out where we're we're both like, ooh, that, I like that. Let's write based on that. And yeah. you kind of dive into it. Not all rights are, you come out with a perfect song. A lot of rights that you have are, you know, good, but songs that you don't release. Um, But you definitely, either sometimes they come to you and you write a song. And I've written like, Last One Standing, I wrote with Autumn Bicey and we wrote it in an hour and a half, um, which is pretty fast because usually you schedule rights for like three to four hours. Other writes, it takes the whole time. Other times, you just get a chorus and you just got to flush it out and continue to kind of work it out. It really depends on, I think, the energy in the room and the idea. And if it's something that you and your writers just like can't really get behind, you just switch ideas pretty fast. Um, Or you end up with an idea that you like and then you end up writing a completely different song and you're like, how did we go from this (laughs) to this? (laughs) But it works. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I guess it's all um, just all in the moment, and you have to be able to pivot as things develop. Um, I really appreciate you uh, uh, coming on here and sort of talking about uh, your process and how you've made it through Nashville and sort of coming up in, in the music scene, because I think it's very helpful for other artists um, to sort of hear everybody's story, and it's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast. Um Before we end, could you please just, uh, you know, plug everything that's going on with you and your uh, singles coming out and just where everyone can find everything?
1: Yeah, so my single Last One Standing is coming out January 22nd and you can pre-save it, which always helps on Spotify, Apple Music you know any um streaming platform my songs there and the pre save link is there you can find me on social media i'm most active on instagram at zoe clark official um i'm on twitter i'm on facebook same name zoe clark official you can find me everywhere
0: thank you so much zoe and this has been a great conversation and the way i've i've been ending these podcasts is um like i've mentioned a hundred times throughout this uh, particular episode um I want this show to help Nashville artists and that's why it's Nashville based specifically even though it's so niche that it sort of hurts me in the in the process but I wanted this to be Nashville specific. And so with that um kind of in mind um what I've been asking every artist uh that I talk to to do is to recommend one other Nashville based artist for the listeners to go check out.
1: Mm. Another Nashville-based artist. Um, Listeners should check out my friend Lauren Weintraub. She is all over TikTok. She's blowing up TikTok (laughs) with her songwriting skills. So you should definitely be on the eye out for her. She's incredible.
0: And uh, um, what was her name again? One more time. Sorry.
1: Lauren Weintraub.
0: Weintraub? How do you... Uh, spell
1: that w-e-i-n-t-r-a-u-b
0: cool well zoe thanks again so much and um uh yeah i'm just really thankful that you came on the podcast and sort of shared your journey with us and uh, i look forward to seeing you in the future
1: yeah thank you so much this has been fun all
0: right thanks zoe i'll talk to you later thank you And that is the episode with Zoe Clark Again I just really appreciate her coming on And being on uh, the podcast And sort of giving us a rundown Of her experience uh, with the Co-write scene in Nashville And just sort of what that process is like Don't forget March 15th is our Last live stream from the Whiskey Bent Saloon so come check that out And if you can't uh, be there In person the live stream will be on our Facebook Page check that out the Details and links will be in the show notes And we'll end the episode on Zoe's latest single, Last One Standing. Um, Again, check this out on Spotify. It uh, had a crazy amount of views in a short amount of time. So just check that out and show her some support. One, two,
2: three. I drink my coffee black I eat my chocolate dark And I throw up a little bit When I see couples in the park Saying I love you babe She's hopping on his back No, I don't, I don't, I don't I don't love like that I'm drinking day old wine I spend my nights alone And all these guys are asking If my friends are single And if so, if I can hook them up If I'll be their wingman No, I don't, I don't I don't understand why bitter ain't sweet why it's better to be settling and settling down cashing in and selling out why did everybody get so soft now everyone is butterflies and downpour dancing i think i'm the last one standing my shirts are oversized I'm playing 90s grunge And I might tell a guy I like him But that's only if I'm drunk I might take shots real fast But i take love real slow No, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't Flies and downpour dancing. I think I'm the last one standing. If I say those three words, damn sure I'ma mean it. If I bring a guy home, it's for a damn good reason. When I'm walking down i will no way I'll repeat it. Tell me why, tell me why, tell me why, why. For the Hamptons, maybe I'm the last one standing